For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, with the latest readout video from our Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter, to which you should definitely subscribe if you don't already, so we can keep in touch if we're deplatformed. And you should definitely subscribe if you're in the Canadian oil and gas industry, because apparently those in charge in that field still think they'll be spared if only they feel the support behind the plan to destroy them. The Globe and Mail reports that, quote, Canada's oil and gas sector is hopeful the federal government will live up to its budget day pledge to speed up the time it takes to build major infrastructure projects, end quote. But it's a fatuous hope, not least because the projects in question are intended as replacements for oil and gas, not ways to get more of it to market. As the Globe added, quote, the promise was part of a federal budget that also contained a host of tax credits and incentives for clean electricity, hydrogen, critical minerals, and other technologies the government believes Canada must invest in to meet its international climate commitments, end quote, which don't include oil and gas. So, while it's possible that those now running the country will actually speed up the regulatory process, though it's not very likely given their overall record of ineptitude, what's not possible is that if they somehow pull it off, it will benefit the hydrocarbon producers or the innocent bystanders we call consumers. So, if you use gasoline, which is mind-bogglingly expensive by government design, you too should subscribe. And all of you should give us money so we can keep warning of these things until the message gets through. Just click here. And you should also support us so we can keep making fun of the way in which, in the wild world of climate heating, all news is bad. For instance, just as the drought in California was going to last and kill all the crops, now the New York Times reports that a vast lake called Tulare has reappeared due to rain in the Golden State, or rather due to atmospheric rivers, and now it's going to last, and instead of bringing relief to a parched landscape, will kill all the crops. Because it never rained there before, or went dry. Now the Weather Channel, in an unguarded moment, admitted that the rain was actually good, captioning a pretty picture, quote, A woman sets off on her zipline over a superbloom of wildflowers at Skull Canyon Ziplines in Corona, California, on April 11th, 2023. People are flocking to state parks for a glimpse of a spectacular superbloom following a historically wet winter, end quote. But don't worry, the water stinks. How badly does it stink? This badly. The Times groans at, quote, the surprise barrage of atmospheric rivers that swept through California over the past three months already has saturated the ground, overflowed canals, and burst through levees, end quote. And they're just getting the rhetorical hose turned on. Quote, even longtime residents have been staggered this year by the brute swiftness with which Tulare Lake has resurfaced. In less than three weeks, a parched expanse of 30 square miles has been transformed by furious storms into a vast and rising sea, end quote. Staggered, brute, furious storms. It's a disaster. Everything is, including the huge snowpack that it was a disaster that they didn't get in previous years. Quote, the fear now is that record walls of snow in the southern Sierra Nevada will liquefy in the intensifying spring heat into a downhill torrent that will inundate the Central Valley, end quote. And it's bad when snow liquefies instead of melting because of spring heat, not warmth. It's also bad people against good Gaia, of course, quote, in the lake survival, scientists, historians, and growers see an epic rematch gathering between nature and humans. For now, nature seems determined to win in an era of climate change, with extended dry periods followed by storms that deliver more water than anyone knows what to do with, end quote. Right. The same lake that used to be here because of all the dry periods, then heavy rain, until humans stupidly drained it. 
The Times even admits that, quote, mammoths once sipped at Tulare Lake's shores and Tule elk ranged in its marshlands, end quote. But that was then and good. This is now and bad. And now, a word from our sponsor. And that's you. Because at the Climate Discussion Nexus, we're dependent upon support from our viewers and our readers. Please go to our donate page, make a one-time pledge, or if you can, a monthly one. I'm not talking a lot of money, though. If you've got it, we'll take it. $2 a month, $3, $5. That's the sustaining funding that we need to produce these videos on our newsletter. And now, back to me. You should also subscribe to the newsletter so we can tell you that Canada's Environment Ministry spent nearly $80,000 on focus groups to discover that people who think there's a climate crisis like the phrase climate crisis and people who don't prefer climate change, though we're going with waste of money. And so we can bring you from the oh no, not spring department, Bloomberg announcing that quote, climate change is making allergy season last longer, end quote. And more on Trade War 3, thanks to Biden's Inspired Inflation Reduction Act, Canada's finance minister, while warning of the subsidies battles that it had triggered, called it, quote, historic and transformative, end quote, and said it would, quote, change the world for the better, end quote. Apart from the bit where it bankrupts everyone and whips up the global trading order, that is. You should also subscribe so that we can repeat to you that the herd of independent minds really is coming for your car. National Geographic just reprinted a 2019 piece saying, quote, In the 20th century, we fell so hard for cars that we redesigned our cities around them. It's a landscape that, as Atlanta urban designer Ryan Gravel put it to me recently, is so not what the future wants, end quote. And in case you don't know what the future wants, because you're not the vanguard of the proletariat, they do. The piece quoted a pioneer of new urbanism that cities are, quote, about shared space. You know, instead of a private yard, you have a great park, end quote. What, are we homeless? We might be, quote, instead of spending all your time in the living room, you spend time at the pub or the cafe, end quote. And of course, quote, instead of driving your own car, you use transit, end quote. Told you so. And there's more bad news. Last week it was more home runs due to climate heating, though. Roger Pilkey Jr. noted that home runs haven't increased in any other baseball league than MLB. But today, it's broken bones in an airplane. According to Carolyn Barber and Fortune, and she is a doctor, so she knows all about climate, airplanes have always encountered turbulence, but, quote, in an era of rapid climate change, what pilots face in 2023, experts say, is a different order of challenge altogether. An increase in both the frequency and the intensity of climate-related issues, coupled with a pronounced lack of pilot training in key areas, end quote. Or not, since there's been no statistically significant change in the trivial number of serious turbulence injuries on American domestic flights since 2009, it's still under three a year. Nevertheless, we're told, quote, you should plan for a future in which you've always got your seatbelt on while flying, end quote, because alarmist rhetoric is getting hurled around the cabin, even if the passengers aren't. Oh, and when lightning tears the wings from your plane, you'll be hit by a baseball on the way down. In the newsletter, we also note that Euronews Green says, quote, El Nino is forecast to return in 2023. Here's what it means for extreme weather and global warming, end quote. To which the answer should be nothing, since El Nino is a cyclical ocean current fluctuation, not a driver or effect of climate. But instead, now they say, quote, the El Nino climate event is responsible for raising global temperatures and aggravating extreme weather events, end quote. Moreover, quote, this year is already predicted to be hotter than 2022 and the fifth or sixth hottest year on record, end quote, though why only fifth was not explained if temperatures increasing relentlessly. 
They do say, though, quote, the global temperature increases by around 0.2 degrees Celsius. This could mean breaking the crucial 1.5 degrees Celsius global warming limit, end quote. Right, the crucial politically determined arbitrary line. And if so, the terrible effects of global heating become terribler, as always, including the coral gets it again, quote, warmer water causes bleaching in coral reefs, leaving them at greater risk of starvation, end quote. But people who like this sort of thing apparently can't believe that anyone disagrees with them. Hence, we recently got this email invitation to jump on the climate panic bandwagon. Quote, as urgency around the climate change response continues to build, there's growing recognition of the need for collective action, new approaches, and faster progress toward net zero. Join the Globe and Mail in conversation with energy and sustainability leaders as they explore the investment and infrastructure development needed and share practical suggestions and insights on how Canada can transition its energy sector for a cleaner tomorrow, end quote. We decided that it sounded as fun as it would be informative, so no thanks. Instead, we're going to hang out with more of our cool climate data in the form of the ClimateForYou.com project of Ole Humlum, who's an emeritus professor of physical geography at the University of Oslo in Norway. Yeah, yeah, he's another fogey like us who thinks the whole discussion about climate change would be a lot more sensible and scientific if it was based on data rather than hysterical shouting and sloganeering. Actually, lots of his younger colleagues also think so, but they face career-destroying intimidation if they dare question official orthodoxy. So... He's doing it instead, starting with, yay, a chart of geological time, because there's so dang much of it, and it's one era or epoch after another until your head swims through the Cordovician, then crawls into the mud of the Silurian, only to dodge glaciers in the Pleistocene. Now, as you see on this chart covering the whole history of the Earth, modern time, also known as the Holocene, the interglacial that we live in, is just a tiny slice of all this stuff, during which the climate has swung back and forth between hothouse areas with tropical forests in today's polar regions and ice house conditions with the opposite. Now, if we zoom in, in another chart, on the latter part of the Pleistocene, this is just the last half million years of the Earth's climate, we told you geological time was long. The Pleistocene itself, that's the ice age that we're still in, though in an interglacial, has lasted 2.8 million years, which sounds long, but is just a blip on a planet that's over 4 billion years old, on which complex multicellular life has existed for over half a billion years. But in this last half million, we see a remarkable picture. First, the short pink-colored peaks during which the Earth's land surface were generally livable are rare and short. Most of the time you've got these deep hostile glaciations. Also, notice that throughout this period, with ice and without, the climate constantly changes quickly. And finally notice that the present interglacial Holocene is actually cooler than the previous four. It barely qualifies as an interglacial. So what we have today isn't unprecedented heat, it's cooler warmth than at any other time that we broke the ice ceiling in the last half million years. And every one of those higher temperature peaks was natural. The planet isn't warming, it's cooling, which is scary. Oh, and speaking of scary, one more thing. The latest warmish period has actually lasted quite a while by Pleistocene standards, which means that if we were going to bet on anything for the centuries ahead, it would be a drop into a new ice age and a sudden one. By the way, if you're wishing that more people could see this kind of information, then why not slip on one of our CDN t-shirts showing half a million years of climate change and do your part to educate the public. In the newsletter, we also offer some confusing climate acronyms for aspiring geeks like UAH, 
RSS, and STAR. Along with MSU, which here does not mean Michigan State University, go Spartans, but Microwave Sounding Unit, an instrument carried on, oops, another one, NOAA satellites, NOAA being the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So, these MSUs read microwave energy in the atmosphere, from which scientists then construct daily measures of temperatures from near the surface up to the mid-stratosphere, where GHGs, ah, that's six, are supposed to be generating all the warming. But the UAH, University of Alabama in Huntsville, and Go Chargers, temperature record, hasn't shown much warming since 1980, while the RSS, which is remote sensing systems, not really simple syndication, their series showed a bit more warming, but not enough for the climate models. Then STAR came to the rescue. STAR is NOAA's Satellite Applications and Research, with a T added to be cool, and it used the MSU record to find a much higher warming trend, apparently rescuing the models, until a new study by their own team suggested that they hadn't done the data processing correctly. Once they commendably fixed it, they got the same warming as UAH or even slightly less IRL. Uh-oh for the models. And finally in the newsletter, the CO2Science.org archive furnished a related piece on, quote, various unresolved issues in using surface temperature trends as a metric for assessing global and regional climate change, end quote, including poorly placed thermometers. And they said it's better to use daily maximums and leave out nighttime temperatures because they're more likely to be distorted by things like the urban heat island effect. And happily, if you do that, it makes it less likely that there's a crisis. Well, happily, unless you want there to be a crisis. But for the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I'm cool without one.